Well, listen, I'm going to leap right into this lesson now. All year, I have been speaking and preaching only from the Gospels. And I'm committed to that. But for, for this message today, I'm going to take some pastoral privilege and deviate for one Sunday because there is a scripture that I think succinctly uh, supports what I want to share with you today. It's found in a book of the Bible called Psalms, a compilations of hymns and poems and journal entries. And I want to read two verses found in Psalms 18. Verses 33 through 34. I'm reading from the New International Version family. This is what it says. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. He trains my hands for battle. King James says this, he teaches my hands to war. I want to use this scripture as a launching pad to leap into this lesson today. I want to talk from this subject. It's bad English, but it's good theology. Here's my topic. Throw them hands. throw, throw, Throw them hands. Family, there, there, there's an axiom that many, if not most of us, have heard as we have meandered through the maze of life. It's, it's the axiom that says, watch this, your attitude determines your altitude. I'm, I'm, I'm not clear what the intention is of the inaugurator of that axiom. I don't know what they meant when they wrote it. I know what I interpret when I read it. And that's this. How far I go, how high I go, is not just dictated and determined, listen to me, by who I am. It's also equally impacted by how I am. Did you hear what I just said? How far I go and how high I go is not just determined by who I am, but it is equally impacted by how I am. My attitude affects my altitude. Let me put it this way. My disposition determines whether or not I'll reach my destiny. Darius Where did you get this from? Well, I was reading the scriptures and I see the scriptures filled with all types of animal-like metaphors used to describe the nature and character of the model man, a man named Jesus. But there are two dominant metaphors that we cannot overlook. The first of which is a lamb, which speaks to the part of Jesus' personality that is docile and meek and lowly of heart and I believe it's important to be lamb like we need to learn from the lamb and live like the lamb but some people only see the lamb in you and they don't know there's a other side to you and that is the other metaphor that we see used to describe Jesus and that's not just the lamb That's 
past a lion. Revelation says he's the lion from the tribe of Judah. The root of Jesse has prevailed. And anyone that's going to experience God's best, walk in the fullness of God's intention for their life, has to be a person that has learned to manage these two tensions and these two personalities that should exist in everybody that's pursuing purpose, the lamb and the lion. You've got to know when to be lamb-like and docile and reserve and dig the scene with the lamb lean, whoop, whoop. And then you've got to know when to be a lion, when to be assertive, when to be intentional. You see, the lamb went to the cross, but the lion came out of the grave. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, and there are some seasons and situations that'll feel like tombs where you feel like you're buried underneath dirt and buried underneath pressure and buried underneath obstacles. And the only people that come out of the tomb are people who've developed the disposition of a lion. Hallelujah. People who say, if you hit me, I know when to hit back. Yeah, you can throw opposition my way, but God has taught my hands how to war. And this disposition is incredibly important for anyone that's going to experience God's best. I know we got discipline. I know we've got determination. But how is our disposition? Because it's the attitude that determines altitude. And maybe this area is the missing ingredient of your advancement. Maybe this is the area you are unaware of that God's trying to develop you and I in because he recognizes it's the X factor. He says, yes, you've got the gifts. Yes, you've got the talent. Yes, you've got the exposure. Yes, we've got the pedigree. But God says, maybe I've sent you through seasons of adversity to adjust your attitude. Good God Almighty. Yeah, he says, because almost all of us deal with one of two extremes. We either too much lamb or we're too much lion. And so some of us have to be adjusted a little bit one way and others have to be adjusted another. Who am I teaching on this Sunday morning? He says, some of you, I'm, I'm teaching you how to be, <laughs> how to be a lion. Because all of my promises are occupied with opposition and your willingness and ability to overthrow the opposition determines whether or not you possess the promise. I'm going to say that one more time. I said all the promises of God are preoccupied with opposition and your willingness to overthrow the opposition determines whether or not we will possess the promise. This is what the battle imagery in the Old Testament is all about. Israel having to overthrow the Canaanites is a powerful picture of us having to overthrow the opposition that's inhibiting us from possessing what God promised. Yes, indeed. We don't get peace without overthrowing some opposition. We don't get joy unspeakable without overthrowing some opposition. 
We don't get the vision God's given us without overthrowing some opposition. We don't get the family God's promised us without overthrowing some opposition. You don't step into anything that God has ordained for your life without being willing to drive the Canaanites out. See, we got to get this. We got to get this. Because if we don't get this, we won't get what God has for us. It's the attitude that determines the altitude. (laughs) And so since all the promises of God are occupied with opposition and my willingness to overthrow the opposition, listen to me, my willingness to overthrow the opposition determines whether or not I possess the promise. I've got to learn the skill, the skills required To fight well. Peace fought for. Joy fought for. Purpose fought for. This not works righteousness. This isn't this isn't this isn't inconsistent with possessing by faith. Come on. The the willingness to fight is an expression of faith. If something is stolen from you that belongs to you, you're more inclined to fight for that because you know it's yours. You don't fight for what you don't believe is yours. Y'all better come get me today. I said you don't fight for what you don't believe is yours. But when you convince that belongs to me, when you convince that somebody has their hands on what God's supposed to put in your hands, you're willing to tug and you're willing to scratch and you're willing to claw because you recognize this belongs to me. We need to learn the skills to fight well. And the psalmist, I'm sorry, the psalmist clearly claims in the text That God makes a contribution to our lives that's often overlooked. Watch this. I want you to read not just what the psalmist said. I want you to see what he didn't say. He didn't say God always goes to war for me. Now, that is not to say that there are not times where God fights for you, right? See, sometimes it takes just as much faith to do nothing as it does to do something. See, yeah, yeah. there are some battles where God tells you what he told Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I got this one. I want you to show your faith by not doing something you could do and not saying something you could say. So I'm not saying there aren't times where he fights for us. But that's, that's not what the psalmist is saying here. He says, instead of fighting for me, he trains. <laughs> he trains my hands for battle. I came, hopefully, to give some clarity to your calamity. I came to tell some of you, you've been mislabeling this season. You've been telling people you in a trial. I believe God through his word today wants to help you reframe this season. (laughs) When you reframe, you rename. 
Ah, I can tell how you see it by what you're calling it. And I came to tell somebody, you are not in a trial. You in training. I'm going to say it one more time because I don't believe you heard what I said. I said, I came to tell somebody you are not in a trial. You in training. This is not going to take you under. This is not going to take you out. But God wants to use this to develop not a skill in you, but a disposition in you. He, he doesn't just want you to know something different as you come out of this trial. He wants you to be somebody different. Says he, he teaches my hands to war. He trains me for battle. And here it is, y'all. You can't get training for battle in front of a computer. You don't get training for battle from a sermon. You get training for battle in a ring. It doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter how many videos we've watched. You don't know if you really know how to fight until you get in the ring. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Remember, it's not a trial, it's training. So some of the stuff we worrying about is nothing but a ring. Are y'all tired? Because I feel like preaching this. I said, some of the stuff we worried about is nothing but a ring. <laughs> God said, no, I'm just putting you in the ring. Because there are some things that you can only learn in the ring that you can learn no other way. But I want you to know that you're not in the ring by yourself. See, you, you think you're sparring with your issue. But you're really sparring with me. Did you hear what I just said? See, when you're in the ring, you're not fighting the issue because God who's in the ring with you is not going to let the issue take you out. He said, you fighting me. Y'all not talking to me. Not only are you fighting me, he said, you fighting you. Come here, Jacob. And Jacob <laughs> wrestled with a man himself. What you heard about is... A is a ring. Why are you making me wait? I'm trying to develop a disposition of patience. Why are you making me take this and not say anything? I'm trying to develop a disposition of meekness because only the meek use power responsibly. And it says, and it says, the more I develop this in you is an indication of the power I'm getting ready to give you. And somebody that's watching this and somebody that's even in this room ought to pause for the cause and participate in a praise break right there. Because as much as God's been humbling you, as much as God's been keeping you low, God must be getting ready to open some doors that no man can shut. God must be getting ready to trust you with some influence that your eyes hadn't seen and your ears haven't heard. What you worried about is a ring. <laughs> because he trains 
my hands for battle. The prophet, Mike Tyson, <laughs> who is credited with this phrase, everybody thinks they can fight until they get punched in the mouth. I'm not going to bother that because that'll preach. Because that's the first place the devil wants to punch you. Did you hear what I said? I said that's the first place the devil wants to punch you. He wants to punch you in your mouth. He wants to change the way you speak. Because he knows the most, <laughs> the person that talks to you the most is you. So you are one of the most influential voices in your own life. So if he punches you in the mouth and damages your mouth, you aren't able to speak accurately. And so instead of speaking faith, you speak fear. Instead of speaking deliverance, you speak doubt. Instead of speaking hope, you speak hopelessness. Why? You've been punched in the mouth. But I came to tell somebody today that God's got you in a season where he's getting ready to teach you how to throw them hands. Ah. When Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, the devil punched him when he was hungry, and Jesus punched him back. <laughs> and I'm telling somebody, this is your season to punch back. Listen to this. Listen to this. He trains my hands to war. Some of the stuff we worried about is a ring. And if I'm going to win in the ring, there are a few things that I need. Can I give them to you before I take my seat? Here it is. The, the, the first thing, the first thing I need if I'm going to win in the ring is this. I need the right trainer in my life. Okay, see, watch this now. I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I'm getting ready to go somewhere. And the adversary is going to be upset by this because it's going to expose what I believe to be a blind spot. There's no area in life where people assume they can excel without assistance except for life. The most elite athletes all have a trainer. Michael Jordan had a strength trainer that got him to the degree where Kobe hired Mike's strength trainer. Tiger has caddies and coaches. Floyd Mayweather, y'all not talking to me. Because in every other arena, people understand I cannot excel without assistance. I cannot advance without somebody who's willing to train me. And here it is. There are some persons who stay stuck in, in a season or seasons or cycles of stagnation because they don't want to be trained. They want to be coddled. They are more obsessed with feeling good than doing well. Because if you're going to do well, you got to be willing to endure training that doesn't feel good. You need a trainer that says, give me more push-ups. You need a trainer that says, you better not quit. You got more in you. You need a trainer that will not let you settle for less than your best. Now watch this. Everybody that loves us can't train us. I'm going to say that one more time. Everybody that loves us can't train us. 
This is so important. This is important for everyone. It's uniquely important for men. Because one day I pause and I ask myself this. Where are, mo- where are most men learning to be men from? And I say, now, if Jesus is the most influential man in human history, so even if you don't uh, uh, agree that Jesus plays a religious role in human history, like I do, I, 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 that's, he's my savior and my Lord. But even if you don't agree, if you are an objective intellectual, you've got to admit he's the most influential man in human history. But we learn in manhood from everybody but Jesus. Yeah. We learned how to treat women from our uncle. See, y'all don't. Yes. Y'all don't want to. <laughs> yeah, we, we learned from our uncle. We're learning from who we're watching or who, who, who we're listening to who don't even have verifiable, consistent fruit that their practices are best practices. We need trainers, the right trainers in our corner. But here's the question. The question isn't, is somebody good enough to train me? It's am I, are y'all okay? It's am I healthy enough and humble enough to learn? Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not finding somebody that's good enough to train me. It's am I healthy enough? Because this is what I've learned. I've been doing, I've been passing, I've been leading. You will be amazed at how often people reject advice that's right. And they have a track record that logically should say you shouldn't trust your own judgment. See, this too, this too, let me go, let me find this camera here. I, I said, no, no, no. When we look at your track record, what about your track record makes you feel like you should trust you? And when someone has verifiable fruit, Jesus said, you know the tree by the fruit that it bears. Where's the fruit? Jesus cursed the tree that had leaves but no fruit. He says, you are optically deceptive. Leaves, that's all talk is, leaves. Leaves. Where's the fruit? And I want some of us to be more discerning about who we allow to have access to our ear. Because some of us are, are too deceived by, too impressed with leaves. And so they're talking when we should be examining where's the fruit. See, this isn't judgment. This is discernment. I'm not talking about discerning of spirits. I'm talking about discerning of trees. Where's, where's the fruit? You'd be amazed at how many people are not humble enough. Pride comes before the fall. The fall comes after pride. 
which means there's a season that we in pride and still standing. And it takes time for your pride to make you fall. And for some people, it takes the fall to make them open to new training. We need a trainer. And some of us haven't learned how to pick one. We don't know how to pick one. Because a trainer is supposed to help me with that which I don't know and that which I can't see. See, for us to have assistance, we can't always have agreement. Because if we, if we agree, it means I'm adding no value. I should be seeing something you don't. But I promise you this, I'm getting ready to pray that God sends, watch this, this, oh, I just heard this. I promise you, I just heard this. I heard I had a little quick visual in my mind, too, as this came to my mind. For some of you, God's about to circle somebody back around. I heard that. Because <laughs> in a previous season, you weren't ready. You weren't healthy enough, and you weren't humble enough. And the enemy wants you to feel like you've blown your opportunity. And God says, I'm getting ready to do you like I did the prodigal son. I'm getting ready to circle it back around one more time. And this time, you're going to handle it right. And this time, you're going to walk through the door. And this time, you're going to possess what God has promised because you're ready now. I want somebody to drop in that chat. I'm ready now. I got some bumps and bruises. I'm ready now. I learned some things the hard way. I'm ready now. I need the right trainer in my life. Number two, are y'all ready for this? Are y'all tired or do I need, do I need to sit down? All right, number two, I need the right people in my corner. You see, if you ever watch boxing, between rounds, the boxer goes to a corner. But he goes to the corner not for isolation. He goes to the corner for rejuvenation. There are some people in the corner that give him water so that he doesn't suffer from dehydration. Yes, and some of us are losing in life because you dehydrated. Because when you go to your corner, you got people who don't know what to give you. I'm not asking, do you have people in your corner? Yes, do you have the right people in your corner? Do you have people in your corner that hold you accountable to your potential? That when you say, I can't go back out there, they look at you and say, yes, you can. That when you say, I can't finish this degree, they look at you and say, girl, you better. When you say, I can't stick with this, they say, fam, you better press your way through. I pray that God send some people into your life that's in your corner. Now watch this. The right people in your corner don't just tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> Hi, yeah, yeah. They don't tell you you winning when you losing. Right. That's right. 
They don't tell you you're winning when you're losing. They say, now listen, you got to go out there. You got to take this round. I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I don't think y'all expecting this. The right people in your corner also know when to throw in the towel. Because some of y'all are doing stuff you need to stop. Y'all not talking to me. And there need, there need to be some people in our life that say, now nah, you need to stop that. You're too smart to be that mean. Stop. You're too smart to be that unwise. Stop. You got too much influence to talk to people that way. Stop. Oh, may God send some people in our lives that tell us when to stop. One of my favorite movies is Rocky. And in one of the Rockies, Apollo Creed died. Because he ain't let Rocky throw in the towel. Because the right people in your corner want to see you live to fight another day. Apollo, it ain't over. This is just one fight. Regroup, retrain, try it again. Oh, but I'm praying that God sends the right people in your corner. I, I, I got to get out of here. I'm, 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 I got to get out of here. Number three. I only got one more after this. Y'all sure y'all all right? Okay. Here it is. Here it is. N- number three. We need this. We need the right skills for the ring. Now, I never got into boxing seriously, but, but I got into boxing cardiovascularly. And so I was working with one of the members of our church. His name is Bristol Jenkins, Bodies by Bristol in Bristol in Malton, New Jersey. So I was working with Bristol, and we started, I don't like cardio. So we started doing boxing for cardio. And, um, you know, everybody thinks they can box until it's time to box. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working with Bristol. I'm working with Bristol, right? And I'm like, these are the gloves Bristol gave me. So I got my, I got my gloves. He wraps me up tight, and I put my gloves on. Come on. See, I'm, I'm, see this right here, this right here will preach. This right here will preach. Because, see, sometimes you need assistance with your equipment. Okay, so, so I, I put on my gloves because, I, I, you know, I think I know how to fight. And so he holds up the pads. I walk up on those pads. Y'all know I'm from that dirty south. So we have to... Facial expressions and everything at Dirty South. I'm walking up on the pass. He's like, Darius, you can't stand like that. I'm like, whatever. And he just pushed me. Just, he just, I don't, he's got pads. I got gloves. He just pushed me with the pad. You know, I'm like, I'm like this. He just pushed me with the pass and I'm all up. He said, you don't have a stance that keep you stable. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. And you can't fight if your stance ain't right. See, some of us keep going backwards instead of forwards because we got the wrong stance. Got the wrong stance on love. Got the wrong stance on joy. Got the wrong stance on relationships. Got the wrong stance on marriage. Got the wrong stance on money. Our stance is off. He said, stand right. And he said, you... Lead with his left foot. I said, okay. Then he's got the pass, not gloves. Watch this. So I'm leading with the left foot. 
Then he uses the pad, pop, right here on my head. I'm like, not going to be too many more of those. I love Jesus, but don't do that. Right there. Powerful. He says, you always got to keep your guard up because you don't know when a blow coming. Somebody better help me preach this. I said, you always got to keep your guard up because you don't know when a blow is coming. And sometimes a blow comes when you least expect it. A financial blow, a relational blow, an emotional blow, the blow of grief, the blow of destruction, the blow of deconstruction. And I've got to make sure that I've got my hands in the right position. I'm going to say that one more time. I got to make sure I got my hands in the right position. I got to make sure my hands, see some of us keep our hands by our side when you need to keep your hands up high. If you elevate your hands, it'll block some blows. Are there any praises in the room that say praise help me absorb some blows? That praise help me smile when I should have been crying. Praise help me live when I should have been dying. So then finally, he tried to teach me to punch. First thing he teach me is the jab. And I'm like, come here. <laughs> right? So it's not a jab. I don't know what's up with us men and these, <laughs> these sound effects. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Take that. Take that. Take that. <laughs> right there. He said, no, Darius. He said, when you throw this jab, he says, I want you to he said, I want you to turn your wrist. Now, watch what he says to me. Woo, this blessed me. He said, I want you to, though, but you need to throw your body in the punch. Y'all missed it. He says, no, 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 no. This isn't just the weight of your arms. This is the weight of your body in the punch. He said, you need to throw your whole self into this. He said, you swinging, but you don't have your whole weight behind it. You're trying, but you hadn't thrown your whole self into it. What could you accomplish if you really thrown your whole self into it? I'm talking about throwing the weight behind it. You tried, but you, you have tried. You didn't throw your weight behind the punch. You, you did it, but you have did it. You didn't throw your weight behind the punch. I got, I, I got to get out of here. I got, I, I, I got, I got one more. I got, I got one more for you here. I need the right trainer. Are y'all all right? I need the right people in my corner. I need the right skills for the ring. And I need the right stamina for the rounds. All right, I'm getting ready to help somebody right here. I, I got to get out of here, but I want to share this with you. Please don't confuse around with the fight. Some of you, don't you mess with me. Some of you are defeated and dejected and despondent because you thought you lost the fight. The bell was not an indication that this is the end of the fight. The bell is an indication that this is the end of a round. I want to tell somebody it ain't nothing but a round. The bankruptcy was nothing but a round. The business downturn was nothing but a round. The grief was nothing but a round. But the bell 
hell is getting ready to ring again and it's time for you to get back out there and fight and I prophesy a second wind coming to you I, I pray that God gives you the stamina you need to fight the long haul is there anybody that says I feel my second wind coming I was defeated I was dejected but I feel my second win because I need stamina for the rounds. Watch this because some fights are shorter than others. Y'all missed it? Some fights are shorter than others. And sometimes you can't see the turn in the momentum of the fight unless you last long enough. Y'all better hear this. I'm talking about an attitude that looks at the adversary and says, one of us is going to quit first. Did you hear what I just said? One of us is going to quit first, but it's not going to be me. You know what happened with Jesus in the wilderness? He outlasted Satan. The Bible didn't say, read it, Matthew 4. The Bible didn't say, Jesus left Satan. Read the text. It says, after the third time and it didn't work, Satan left Jesus. Oh, gosh. Jesus said, one of us is going to quit first. And it's not going to be me. I'm going to tell y'all something. And I want you to believe me. Most of my adult life, I underestimated the importance of stamina. I didn't know how long you got to fight. Did you hear what I just said? I underestimated the importance of stamina. What do I call it? I call it long faith. Strong faith is long faith. It's not how big can you believe. It's how long. Hebrews 10.36, you have need of endurance. <laughs> so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, you might receive promise we follow after those Hebrews who through faith and patience inherited what was promised I underestimated stamina if you cannot keep up with the footmen how Jeremiah can you run with horses Stamina. I want you to hear me. Look at me. I'm done. Look at me. Some of the things some of us praying for will wear us out. <laughs> we don't have the stamina for. And God has many of you in, in a season where he's building up your conditioning. 
I know we ask the Lord to save us and to serve us. I think we need to start asking him, Lord, get me in shape. I know you got something for me. Get me in shape for it. Give me the, the stamina I need to fight the fights that are in front of me. You know, I got this mentoring and coaching group. Group of, it's, I call it a tribe, not a group. It's called Daniel's Den. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I got some Daniel's Dens. <laughs> and... Um, and I got this thought that I shared with them on Monday, and it's this, your future, I want y'all to hear me, is worth fighting for. That sounds so simple, almost trite, but let me tell you what I mean by that. You won't know what that means until you get to your future. I want you to catch that. That's the scary thing about future blessings. You miss and you don't know what you've missed. <sighs> Did y'all hear what I just said? We miss opportunity and don't even know what we missed. But there are some areas where I look at God's faithfulness in my life. I can look back on certain seasons and look at God's faithfulness and say, this was worth fighting for, but I didn't know it'd be worth it until I got to it. I just knew the only option besides fighting is quitting. I don't know what would happen. I didn't know what would happen if I fought, but I did know what would happen if I quit. I can't tell you what will happen if you fight, but I can tell you what will happen if you quit. You'll live with regret for the rest of your life. You will live wondering what God could have and should have done through me if I'd been willing to throw them hands. I came for everybody that stepped out of the ring because you're tired of fighting and I'm throwing you back in it. You get back in that ring because your future is worth fighting for. I know you're dealing with faith fatigue, but you get back in that ring because your future is worth fighting for. Father, I pray against, I pray against the tendency and the temptation to quit. Your word says, do not be weary in doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I pray for grace to finish and grace to fight. I pray for every person in whatever area that's struggling greatly. They've stepped out of the ring. May today be the day you put their gloves back on and give them the strength to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold 
of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands all over this house.